All right, let's see if we're going. My life on Rumble. All right, let's see if we're going. Yes, I'm live on Rumble. And Odyssey is go. I'll just mute that. And finally, YouTube. Isn't showing me anything. So we'll uh, do it as we go. Make it as just kind of like make it up as we go here. Hey, what's up, capitalists? I'm your guy of the 21st century, Nate Houseman, and I've got a lot of cool uh, articles to go with you, go over with you. Um, hey, if you uh, find this content valuable, please share it with your friends. Click on the uh, like and subscribe buttons on whatever platform you're watching this on. I am on YouTube, Odyssey, and Rumble, and also um, click the subscribe button and um. Visit my uh, website, NateHouseman.net. I've got some, I got a cool merch shop with some t-shirts, hats, and mugs. You know, there's so many streamers who are selling coffee, like, you know, Adam Krigler and Gary from Nerdrotic and Jeremy from The Quartering. Well, I figure you're going to need some coffee mugs to go with, you know, to drink that stuff with. So come over to my website at NateHouseman.net, click the shop tab. And the mugs are on the second page. And I got some cool slogans. So, you know, take it to the office. Use them at home. And uh, make people think when they see it. Also, another way to help, you know, support my channel is to um, visit my other business website, ZipphosWebMarketing.com. It's a news aggregator blog with lots of good information for small businesses. But I also offer digital marketing and web design services. So click on the link to uh, work with in the work with me tab in the menu. And I'll get you started with some, you know, reputation management services here. So I, you know, I saw a white label solution and I will, you know, get you set up. If you, it's very important that people take charge of their income in this economy. You know, there's, you know, corporations are laying people off. So if you're in business for yourself, you need a website and you need to get found on, you know, the search engines, maybe not Google any after what we're finding out, but, you know, good reviews can help you quite a bit. So I will, I'll, I'll be your hookup. And one other way you can support the program is clicking on the referral link to uphold.com. In this period of inflation and you know, really when we're learning the uh, total farce that is the fiat, the fiat currency system, it's very important to put your wealth into assets like gold and silver and Bitcoin. And uphold.com is a very you know user-friendly, beginner-friendly exchange where you can purchase and invest in those sorts of assets. They never lend out your money to you know traders, which is a big deal because what happened with celsius and terra luna but take advantage and if you use the referral link you know it'll give a little book you know a little commission to me and you'll be helping yourself out too i don't just offer services and affiliate links to things that i think you know just 
just just for the sake of monetization. I look for services and businesses and resources that I think will truly help you in this strange and really this paradigm shift of an, of an economy. So please help yourself and help the uh, help the program while you're at it. Let's see if I'm on YouTube now. It's taking its time here. But if you're, you know, if you're, if you can't see this on YouTube, please click the link to, you know, Google and, or I'm sorry, to Rumble and Odyssey. And let's get to it. We got to talk about Mar-a-Lago still. Oh, but first, this here's a here's a little bit of good news. I did promise you good news. We're going to talk about, you know, the FBI. We're going to talk about the IRS again. We're going to talk about Hunter Biden and Facebook and big tech. And we're going to go over some really big court cases that are really going to put a smile on your face. But here's some very good news. News that, you know, never should have happened, but it kind of shows that the, the tides are turning. Department of Homeland Security shuts down the disinformation governance board after first amendment violation concerns this is from reclaimthenet.org following a review he ordered supposed homeland security secretary alejandro mayorkas has officially closed the controversial disinformation governance board the review concluded that the board was a bad idea the disinformation governance board was paused in may following backlash from americans who saw it as an attempt by the government to silence views it did not they did not agree with so keep up the keep up the uh, keep keep the pressure on. Now everyone's laughing at the um, warrant affidavit that was you know that was used to uh, raid Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence, and we all know how it was he so heavily redacted. But just to re just review, this is from Technofog by way of Zero Hedge. The DOJ just released the affidavit submitted in the report in support of the search warrant of rifle president's Mar-a-Lago residence. And there's part of it. As expected, the judge allowed the government to heavily redact the affidavit before it went public. This aligns with the uh, DOJ representations that one, information in the affidavit could be used to identify many, if not all, of the witnesses. And two, the affidavit would provide a roadmap for anyone Intent on obstructive, on obstructive the investigation. That's really bad grammar there. But just the fact that it was so heavily redacted, they are the FBI is totally losing the PR war, and probably the only people who were supporting this effort on social media are bots. And we're gonna read a story about that a little bit later, but. Trump is responding to the FBI raid affidavit. He calls it a witch hunt. Trump rips heavily redacted affidavit as public relations subterfuge. And I'm going to read this whole article. No, wait, no, just the, it's kind of hard to um tell what's been highlighted just as soon as I open the window here. So rifle president Trump on Friday ripped the massive redacting of the federal affidavit 
claiming to justify the raid on his Florida home, calling the move total public relations subterfuge and yet another evidence of a witch hunt. And it's not just a witch hunt. Trump is actually using himself as bait to draw out corruption in the deep state. Like all these, um, and he is, you know, he is such a threat to, you know, the administrative state, the Democrats, the rhinos, the, um, the Federal Reserve, the corporations, big tech. He's such a threat to that system that they, you know, it's, he, they just can't tolerate it. And he's actually drawing, he's actually drawing everything out and bring it out, bring it out into the open. Nearly an hour after the significantly blacked out document was made public just afternoon, the 45th commander in chief seized on his truth social site. Affidavit heavily redacted. Nothing mentioned on nuclear. He added the document or in the Washington Post claiming sensitive files about nuclear weapons were among those being sought. How would we know? It was probably blacked out. And yeah, let's just read, let's just read his tweet. Let's just read his post here. Affidavit heavily redacted. Nothing mentioned on nuclear, a total public relations subterfuge by the FBI and DOJ, or our close working relationship regarding document turnover. We gave them much. Judge Bruce Reinhardt should never have allowed the break-in of my home. He recused himself two months ago from one of my, my cases based on his animosity and hatred of your favorite president, me. What changed? Why hasn't he recused himself on this case? Obama must be very proud of him right now. Well, you know Judge, Judge Bruce Reinhardt's connection with a certain man who owned an island and didn't kill himself, right? Yeah, he's, he's been seen on a plane with Ghislaine Maxwell. And how much you want to bet? He was blackmailed into doing this sort of thing, doing this little action. And the guy makes you wonder how many other courts, judges, prosecutors, DAs, how many of them have have some kind of blackmail hanging over their heads that, and favors being called on them, huh? You know, isn't it strange how no, no court during, you know, late 2020 wanted to hear the case about election interference or election fraud. Isn't that, don't you think that's strange? Don't you think it's strange that thinks courts are coming out now in support of the MAGA movement because the uh, PR tide is turning? But that is a strange development here. And do I want to read this article here? Biden, Biden White House facilitated the DOJ's criminal probe against Trump, scuttled privilege claims, according to memos. So, yeah, long before it was professed no prior knowledge of, of the raid on Donald Trump's estate, the uh, supposed Biden White House worked directly with the Justice Department and National Archives to instigate the criminal probe into alleged mishandling of documents, allowing the FBI to review evidence retrieved from Mar-a-Lago this spring and eliminating the 45th president's claims to executive privilege, according to contemporaneous government documents reviewed by Just the News, this website. Memos show that then-White House Deputy Counsel Jonathan Sue was engaged in conversations with the FBI, DOJ, and National Archives as early as April, 
Shortly after 15 boxes of classified and other materials were voluntarily returned to the Federal Historical Agency from Trump's Florida home. In May, Sue conveyed to the archives that resident Joe Biden would not object to waiving his predecessor's claims up to executive privilege, a decision that opened the door for the DOJ to get a grand jury to issue a subpoena compelling Trump to turn over any remaining materials he possessed from his presidency. Now, does a current president have that authority over a former president? Can a former president can a current president compel a former president to um, declassify or classify documents that the former president worked with? The machinations are summarized in several memos and emails exchanged between the various agencies in spring of 2022, months before the FBI took the added unprecedented step of raiding Trump's Florida compound with a court-issued search warrant. The most complete summary was contained in a lengthy letter dated May 10th that acting National Archivist Deborah Steedle Wall sent Trump's lawyers summarizing the White House's involvement. That letter revealed Biden empowered the National Archives and Records Administration to waive any claims to executive privilege that Trump might assert to block DOJ from gaining access to the documents. The memos provide the most definitive evidence to date of the current White House's efforts to facilitate a criminal probe of the rightful president and who, he may, who Biden may face again as a challenger in 2024. That involvement included, included eliminating one of the legal defenses Trump might use to fight the FBI over access to his documents. Now, what are those documents? Well, how much you want to bet it's not dirt on Trump? How much you want to bet it's dirt on the deep state, on Biden, on Hunter, on Hillary, on Obama even? Alan Dershowitz, the famed Harvard law professor, emeritus, and lifelong Democrat, reviewed some of the correspondence at Justin News's request. He said the Biden White House's eagerness to waive Trump's claims of privilege could have future implications for generations of presidents to come. I was very surprised, Dershowitz said, after reading the text of Wall's letter. The current president should not be able to waive the executive privilege of a predecessor without the consent of the former president. Otherwise, privilege means nothing. What president will ever discuss anything in private if he knows the man who beat him can and will disclose it? Exactly. So, Biden, the supposed president, is setting, a is setting a precedent. Just think, if if Trump gets back in, and if, you know, if, they, if he can defeat the deep state and actually win his right of place in the White House once again, what do you think he's going to do to Biden? What do you think he's going to do to Obama? Think of, you know, Operation Fast and Furious. Think about the Palace of Cash to Iran. Think about Hillary's emails. Think about, you know, anything that happened in previous, you know, previous administrations. It might be fair game if Biden pursues this. So this might actually be a trap for trap for the deep state. Like I said, Trump, he's he he puts himself out there as bait just to kind of like antagonize all these deep state flags and he just draws them out and gets them to commit just these crazy blunders so that might be trump's real mission here just to 
first to show all the corrupt, reveal all the corruption, and then enable the people and the voters and the um, the legitimate judges to do something about it. And here's some more FBI crackups here. Another article from Justin News: More whistleblowers come up, come forward against out of control FBI. And it's very important to uh, we got we got to emphasize we got to emphasize that not everyone at the FBI is a crook, is a political flack. Probably most FBI agents are committed patriots who just want to do their job, who want to protect protect America and uphold the law. So, another slew of whistleblowers have come forward with misconduct claims against the FBI following the Bureau's raid on, on rightful President Trump's Florida estate. FBI field offices in Miami, Salt Lake City, Buffalo, and Newark face accusations that their upper management coerced agents to sign false affidavits, inflated terrorism caseloads to improve their apparent performance, engaged in illicit sexual activities, or concealed those of others, according to the Washington Times. The FBI is completely out, completely out of control, and its culture and structure needs to change. Not only is the political bias the political bias completely out of control and disgustingly obvious, the FBI knows they will not be held accountable for their illegal behavior and misconduct, said one whistleblower in a letter to Representative Louis Gomer of the House Judiciary Committee. Louis Gomer is a Republican from Texas. This was this whistleblower alleged that FBI Director Christopher Wray ignored her allegations of sexual misconduct. Prior to the FBI, FBI's raid on the Trump estate, a string of whistleblowers had come forward with accusations of political bias against former against senior FBI officials. The Washington Field Office, which sent the agents to Florida to raid Trump's estate, was facing its own set of allegations. Aha! Trump probably, Trump has the dirt on them. He's got all the evidence. It's just a matter of introducing it to the public. Following the raid, Wisconsin GOP Senator Ron Johnson put out a call for FBI whistleblowers to come forward with misconduct concerns. Ohio GOP Representative Jim Jordan said that 14 whistleblowers had contacted his office following the raid. And we're going to see a little more about Jim Jordan here. And a certain um, FBI agent who got ousted. <clears throat> Actually, not Jim Jordan, but... Ron Johnson again. Sorry, I misspoke. One more article from Just the News before we uh, move on. FBI whistleblowers allege that the Bureau's leaders ordered agents not to investigate Hunter Biden's laptop. This is another article by uh, titled FBI whistleblowers say senior officials ordered the Bureau not to investigate Hunter Biden's laptop. This was according to a letter Wisconsin Republican Senator Ron Johnson sent to the Department of Justice Inspector General Michael Horowitz asking that he investigate the matter. Prior to the 2020 presidential election, some of the content of a laptop belonged to President Biden, to resident Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, became, became public and appeared to show damaging information to the then presidential candidate. Media outlets derided the laptop as misinformation or Rus Russian disinformation at the time. After the FBI obtained the Hunter Biden laptop from the Washington, Del from the Wilmington, Del Delaware computer shop, these whistleblowers stated that local FBI leadership told employees, you will not look at that Hunter Biden laptop, and that the FBI is not going to change the outcome of the election again, the letter which the Daily Mail reported. And by again, they probably mean 2016 when James Comey just punted on investigating Hillary. 
I hope you understand that the longer your office stands on the sidelines and delays investigating the FBI's actions, the harder it will be for you to uncover the truth and hold individuals accounting accountable for wrongdoing, Johnson continued. So, the article ends with a former Washington field office assistant, special agent in charge, Timothy Feebolt, faced allegations that he withheld the partisan nature of evidence from senior DOJ officials to secure their approval for an investigation of Trump. Moreover, he reportedly worked to falsely discredit evidence against Hunter Biden. Feeball has been reassigned following the allegations. This article is from the 24th. This next article about Feeball is about is from today, August 30th. Trump says report about FBI agent proves 2020 election was tainted. So this guy, Timothy Feeball or Thibault or it looks French. I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but whatever. He's probably a scumbag, so I don't care. Rightful President Donald Trump pointed to an FBI agent who reportedly resigned amid accusations he undermined a criminal investigation into Hunter Biden's laptop as proof the last presidential election was irreparably tainted and demanded that he was declared the rightful winner. Timothy Feeble, a top FBI assistant special agent in charge, was reportedly forced out of his post in the Washington field office last week as it came under congressional scrutiny for political bias against the son, first son's laptop. And my first thought is, this is just a fall guy because there's a lot more going on than just one person pu pushing other agents around. So I say, question this guy, offer him a plea deal in case, you know, in case he wants to uh, spill the beans on the higher-ups. But if Trump said on Truth Social, the presidential election was badly and irreparably tainted by the FBI's fake description of the laptop from hell to Facebook and the lamestream media, and for many other reasons as well, he said posting on Truth Social. He also reiterated claims he made on Monday that if the Hunter Biden story had not been suppressed, he would have defeated you know, Joe Biden in 2020. So... So never mind, you know, whatever you think about voter fraud, which, you know, this this could have this could have turned the election too, and Facebook is in deep trouble as we're going to see in another in another story here. But actually, we're going to see that right now. Becker news, and I'm always singing Kyle Becker's praises because he just cranks he just cranks out the uh, good the good stuff here. This is from August 25th. The FBI interfered in the 2020 election to help Joe Biden. Mark Zuckerberg just admitted it, and he's admitted it on uh, the um, Joe Rogan podcast. And we're going to get into why towards the end of the stream, but why would, you know, Zuckerberg is covering his ass. He knows that big tech is going to get blown up, both by the um, Twitter drama with Elon Musk and with, you know, the FBI being, you know, getting in the crosshairs. Big tech, big tech is kind of in a, in a vice. They're in a pincer. Joe Rogan, host of the biggest podcast in the U.S., invited Facebook Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg on for an interview on Thursday. In the course of the interview, Zuckerberg admitted that the massive big tech company suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story 
a news story that bore on national security and directly affected the 2020 election because the FBI told him to do it. And let's watch. And it's a good thing this is embedded with Rumble because... How do you guys handle things when they're a, a big news item that's controversial? Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story. The New York yeah, we have too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well? Ha! I like he's. I like how you said censored. So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, and some, some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like, you should be on high alert. There was, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of um, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So, so just be vigilant. The, the, um, the FBI suggested that there's going to be some Russian disinformation. Now, disinformation, it's, you know, is you know, it's bad enough, but you don't fight disinformation by censoring it. You, you fight it with good information. That's, that's what I'm always going to say. I'm a free speech absolutist and the fact that, you know, good information was squashed by big tech was just, you know, a sign that these these are these are these are total flax. These are total government proxies. Our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What, what we do is we have um, if something is reported to us as potentially um, misinformation, important misinformation. We, we also have this third party fact checking program because we don't want to be deciding what's true and false. And for the, I think it was. Oh, fact checkers. I wonder if you've heard about you know, the, the case that John Stossel has against Facebook. This was, uh, was it this year or late last year? Facebook admitted that their fact checkers are just, you know, opinion, opinion editorials. So that's out the window. Moving on. It was five or seven days when it was basically being um, being determined whether it was false. Um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it. You could still consume it. So um, when you say the distribution is decreased. That's an oxymoron. I mean, it was it was shadow banned. That's that's the word for it. You know. It was it was suppressed. You know, you don't have to you know completely block something in order to censor it. You can limit its reach, and this is this is the algorithm at play. This is why you know businesses can't you know do as much social marketing as they social media marketing as they as they used to. You got to fork over money for ads. You got to fork over money for promoted posts and things like that. You can't just rely on good word of mouth. So you're going to have to rely on other platforms. Like Truth Social, like Minds.com, like you know, Rumble and Odyssey, to uh, get your message across. This is a big, this is a big deal, not just for people promoting, you know, sharing their opinion, but it's also a big deal for businesses, for whether you're small or large. So let's finish the um. It, it, it got shared. It, it basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less, so fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. But I mean, but basically, a um, a lot of people are still able to share it. 
we got a lot of complaints that that was the case. Um, you know, obviously this is a hyper-political issue, so depending on what side of the political spectrum, you either think we didn't censor enough or censored it way too much, but right. but we weren't sort of as black and white about it as, as Twitter. We just kind of thought, hey, look, if, if the FBI, which you know, I still view as a legitimate institution in this country, it's a like very professional. Well, some of it's legit, some of it's not. I just mentioned that. Law enforcement. They come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something, then I want to take that seriously. Did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? I, I, no, I, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it was. It basically fit the pattern. So continuing with the article here, and the article just kind of like re recites what the video already said, but Facebook wasn't done doing the Democratic Party favors during the 2016 election. This is, this is the article continuing here. Multi-billionaire owner Mark Zuckerberg spent hundreds of millions of on Zuckerbuck's boxes that disproportionately benefited Democrats as the Thomas More Society documented in the 2020 report. Right, because Zuckerberg himself was donating money to nonprofit groups to um, install these um, drop-in, these mail-in voting, mail-in ballot, you know, drop boxes. And we know what a problem that was thanks to Dinesh D'Souza and Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips. So I'm not going to say directly what the problem was because this is on YouTube, but, you know, I think, I think, I think enough of us know what I'm talking, what we're talking about here. <clears throat> In May, 2021, Project Veritas published alleged internal documents that showed Facebook ran an elaborate campaign to censor any criticism of the COVID-19 vaccines. Thus, Facebook and big tech companies like it have become instruments of the government instead of private independent companies. Whether it's through coercion, intimidation, or bribery with taxpayer money, big tech companies have, have worked hand-in-glove with the U.S. government to become our, the arbiters of public information online. And this will continue to get worse until Congress finally steps in and puts a stop to it. And the way we do that is we follow Curry Lake's lead and the voters of Arizona and just vote overwhelmingly you know don't don't start thinking that you know your vote doesn't make a difference or that you know both parties are the same now speaking of on the topic of big tech the sec asked twitter to explain its user metrics after elon musk complained this is from theverge.com this is from august 24th so almost a week ago this summer the uh, Security and Securities and Exchange Commission conducted an active review of Twitter's user numbers in response to concerns of bot activity, as revealed in new filings made public on Wednesday. The review came in the weeks after Elon Musk raised concerns over the same user figures and suggests federal regulators took Musk's allegations seriously. Notably, the review became, began more than a week before the full whistleblower report by Peter Mudge Zadko although it deals with many of the same concerns he posted to the SEC. So Twitter's unusual system for measuring monetizable daily active users, or MDAO, has been at the center of both Elon Musk's short-lived takeover attempt and a recent whistleblower report. Broadly, Twitter maintains that measuring the smaller sample, that measuring the smaller sample allows it to uh, more effectively track whether real human users on the platform are seeing the ad spaces itself. But because no one outside of Twitter knows whether a given account is included in the MDAO sample, it makes it nearly impossible for outsiders to check the fact check the company's numbers. 
In his whistleblower report, Peter Zatko cited the MDAO system as a primary cause for growing bot activity on the platform, alleging that senior management was concerned that if accurate measurements of bot activity ever became public, it would harm the image and valuation of the company. Twitter did not immediately respond for request comment. And I've gone over this in um, previous live streams. I read that, I read, I read an article by um, the conservative treehouse.com, pretty much laying out how Twitter is not really you know a for-profit company. It's a proxy for the intelligence services because you know Twitter loses money all the time. It doesn't make enough money from ads to to make a profit. And judging from its like gigantic you know server requirements, technical requirements, it almost have to have it. It practically need require help from some other organization. And Conservative Treehouse is suggesting that that organization is the government, the deep state, and that Twitter is essentially an intelligence gathering service. It's a and it's also a, a public relations arm of the government. Therefore, any censorship that happens on Twitter is is you know a violation of the First Amendment. And we also know about the um lawsuit by Dr. Shiva, the inventor of email, who also ran for Congress in Massachusetts. He's got an ongoing lawsuit against court case in, in that situation. And he's pretty much uncovered, you know, the government's hotline with Twitter. Now, this plus the FBI scandal with Mar-a-Lago, like I said, it's going to be a pincher movement and it's really going to put the screws to big tech. You know, if, if if government censorship is happening on Twitter, where else do you think it's happening on? Facebook? YouTube? Mm, Amazon? LinkedIn, possibly? LinkedIn is, you know, micro, is, is from Microsoft, and that's, you know, Bill Gates' baby. So, I think things are going to really, you know, comes ahead in October because that's when Elon Musk's uh, Twitter, you know, court case against Twitter is going to take place. And we're going to, I suspect, don't hold me to this, but I suspect we're going to uncover a giant network of dark money and intelligence gathering. Now, we already have one example of, of a bot farm. I tried to read this article last week when I live streamed, but the, uh, the software didn't go through. Actually, let's, now's a good time to uh, see if things are running Smoothly on Rumble and Odyssey. Yeah, it looks like Rumble's working. And it looks like Odyssey's working. I don't see any display on YouTube, but I probably won't know until I stop streaming tonight, so or unless I get any comments or chats in YouTube. So let's keep going. Let's, I wanted to read this article last week, but I was using a different streaming software and it was bunk. Like I am totally done with Streamlabs uh, desktop. You can tip me on Streamlabs. I might, you know, read those comments, but I'm not using their software again to uh, stream. I'm going with the stream yards all the way for now. I mean, it's it's worth $25 a month or, 20, or $25 a year. I'm sorry. But let's 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 read this article from Daily Veracity. 
Massive Democrat bot farms revealed influencing elections, war, and racial tension. 51 billion social media impressions since 2019, and they're gearing up for November in 2024. Demcast is a nonprofit organization utilizing social media to push left-wing narratives online through tens of thousands of accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and and Instagram. Garnering an estimation of over 50 billion impressions since just 2019, Demcast aims at manipulating public opinion surrounding the topics of COVID, the war with Russia, January 6th, and even swaying local elections throughout all of the 50 states. One of their co-content creators, Mindy Schwartz, worked at the White House for the National Security Council. Another one of their employees, Joanne Marie Oyer, works for the Obama Foundation. Their website, Our Plan, and there's a link to it in the article here, the website on Our Plan page describes their operation in four simple bullet points. Curate content from messaging experts, curators, creators, and news sources. Package that content into succinct strategic messages. Recruit, train, and equip an army of social media users across social platforms to relay messaging through their accounts. And identify and disseminate strategic opportunities for volunteerism and donating to support local grassroots groups and candidates. In an unlisted YouTube video posted to Demcast's YouTube channel, Co-founder and director of Demcast Strategy, Lori Coleman, details a major function of Demcast Strategy, using thousands of private chat rooms to artificially amplify messaging on the platform, garnering millions of impressions, artificially amplifying content to sway public opinion. And uh, screenshots here and, and quotes here. You can see that this guy, Stan with the crane, Executive Director at, at Demcast USA, writing at HuffPost, at Pete Not Part. So HuffPost, got to put a pin in that. To begin to have an understanding of the size and scope of Demcast's influence over public perception of important political topics online, it's important to analyze how Demcast operates on Twitter. During, their, during the... Uh, well, during the uh, news blog's art investigation into Demcast's social media manipulation operation, we posed as one of their sympathizers, utilizing their hashtags to gain access to their network. While posting under the hashtag BlueCrew and hashtag Demcast hashtags on Twitter, we were immediately followed by what appeared to be automated accounts. And a little screenshot of that. You'll find Demcast accounts typically have a follower account well into the thousands, with many accounts having over 50,000 followers. These accounts typically follow the same number of accounts that follows them, adding breath to allegations of an automated bot farm. And just kind of share screenshots of their um, investigation here. I'm gonna skip ahead to a part that I, another part that I highlighted because there's a lot of screenshots here, basically recording all the different accounts that look to be suspicious and possibly fake. And here's what, here's, here's, here's how this all alters public perception. Human beings are social creatures, and there are thousands of studies proving an individual will go along with the group against his or her better judgment due to psychological pressures regarding acceptance and fitting in. 
you know, think, did your family and friends pressure you to take the COVID jab? Did your employer pressure you to do that? Did you, were you pressured to, you know, stay six feet, six feet apart? Were you pressured to stand with Ukraine against, you know, your suspicions that maybe there's some chicanery going on? It's, it's really hard to, you know, speak up when there's the impression that everyone's of the opposite opinion. Individuals will act against a better judgment approximately one-third of the time when present in a group of five or more. Now, apply these, social, these studies to social media operations, such as Demcasts, where it would appear that hundreds of thousands of individuals are moving in one particular direction. It's almost impossible for an individual to comprehend speaking against such group cohesion. Democrat has moved its operation to local politics, working within all of the 50 states to artificially boost the popularity of candidates who would otherwise go mostly unnoticed. And some of these candidates like Matt Kilboy and David Roth and Phyllis D.H. Hall. I think I'm going to link to this article in the description. I didn't when I was uploading, when I was setting up the, the um, live stream. But I'll do that afterwards. So if you want to, um, if you're watching this, if, if you're watching this replay later, I will I will link to this article, so you can read yourself because it's 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 pretty lengthy, and I don't have time to go over all of it, but there's lots of dirt on here. While Demcast utilizes tens of thousands of Twitter accounts in a coordinated attempt at manipulating public discourse, artificially amplifying left wing messages and in individuals. It's unclear just how many users within their operation are genuinely authentic. A service like Tweet Attacks Pro allows users to generate, auto-generate thousands of accounts, automating the like, follow, reply, and share features on Twitter. Their services are geared towards ampl amplifying business interaction online to enhance their public image. It's used to boost your odds of winning online sweepstakes, particularly within uh, crypto social groups. So... So this is why if you signed up for Truth Social way back in February and it took forever for you to get to the waiting list, this is why. Truth Social is very concerned about fake accounts and bots. They want to make sure you really are who you are. So that's why it took several if you you know if you signed up early on, that's why it took several weeks for you to um get let in. They had to verify you. And that's why it's taking so long for the app to uh, be available on Android. So you can get onto it on iOS. There's the there's an app on iOS, and you can also get a, get onto it on desktop. But this pretty much seals the deal with you know Elon Musk's case. So now I don't have much uh, cryptocurrency and blockchain news to share in this uh, live stream, but I do want to share this article from last week from Coin Telegraph, which is really gonna. It might I don't. I really can't predict the time frame, but this is going to be a major development. Facebook and Twitter will, will soon be obsolete thanks to blockchain technology. On Web2, Twitter and Facebook, users do not own their own content or followers. That isn't the case on Web3, where our corporate overseers will become powerless. So, extra kudos to you if you're watching this on Odyssey, because it's part of library. And Odyssey is blockchain-based. You know, it's, um, it's, you know, it's, but Odyssey is decentralized. There's no single personal organization that's really controlling it. So that, I definitely trust Odyssey more than do Rumble, but Rumble's been 
very, very, very good to me and very good to uh, Patriots. But let's read this article. Today's social media landscape is dominated by Web2 corporations, mostly Facebook, Meta, and Twitter. The companies collect data from billions of users and collect billions of dollars in revenue from user-generated content. While it's great for the corporations and their shareholders, it comes at a cost for average users and professional content creators. But in the near future, in the near future, decentralized social media, or Web3, is likely to end that old model by giving power back to the users. Because platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are centralized, users are at the mercy of company bosses who demand compliance with their platform policies. If users fail to comply, they can close, they can lose content and followers they spent years building up in just a matter of seconds. A famous example is Twitter's ban on rightful President Donald Trump. While you may debate Trump's views, the decision by Twitter to, by Twitter management did not include millions of Twitter users who, who make the platform so valuable. It showed how little control Web2 users hold over Twitter's decisions related to, the, to their content, even though they're the ones creating value for the company. The beauty of Web3? Corporate bosses will no longer be able to dictate who is allowed to use their platforms. <clears throat> Another problem with Web2 social networks is walled gardens. Another problem with Web2 social media is that it's been, it's been characterized by walled gardens. If you have 1 million followers on Instagram and want to start an account on YouTube, you need to start with zero followers. There's no way to move your audience over because they're connected to the individual platforms, not to you. That applies even to platforms owned by the same company, such as Facebook and Instagram. Web3 introduces solutions to reduce the number of intermediaries, create an open ecosystem, enable new forms of monetization, and give individuals more power, not only over their content, but also over their followers. Another feature of Web3 social media is that rather than generating revenue from advertising, users have the ability to monetize their work directly. The model incentivizes users to publish much better content. It's simplified by allowing, allowing creators to set a fee for collecting their posts or to set a fee for following them. The revenue then flows directly to the creator, not to the platform. And if the platform does make money, they'll probably have to like just skim a little bit off the top. <clears throat> Influencers will accelerate adoption. Some critics argue that Web2 social media has, had a, has such a head start that it'll be impossible for Web3, Web3 social media to catch up. But the reality is that the benefits of decentralized social media are so substantial that big content creators will transition bringing their audiences with them. And I know one content creator who's doing that. That's uh, Camelot331. He's, he's, such, he's such a guest. He's, he's so much fun to listen to. He's, you know, he says he's making as much money as ever on YouTube, but his reach is decreasing rapidly, is dropping rapidly. So he's been posting on Odyssey and making exclusive content there. So, and he's been pushing that really hard. So, and so will I. Now, before we get into the next phase of our, you know, little live stream here, Let's check if I have any chats. Nothing on YouTube. Rumble. I think that's fine. You can catch this. Um, you can catch this live stream later. I'll 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 leave it up for you, for your replaying enjoyment. And if you um. Want to support the program another way? Like I said, let me mention my you know my um, other money making you know, opportunities here. Click on the link to ZiphosWebMarketing.com in the description, and get started 
with reputation management and other digital marketing services through my, you know, get started page, work with me page. <clears throat> also, go to my website, my other website, needhasman.net, <clears throat> and buy some cool merch. Not showing there. There we go. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in flyover country. I know it. Buy some mugs. Buy some hats. Make a statement. Show off some cool slogans. And also, <clears throat> take advantage of Uphold.com. They also have a really you know handy uh, mobile app. And use it to invest in cryptocurrency and gold and silver. And even a few um, popular stock in the indices so um it's super user friendly you don't have to be you know a technical genius to do much trading on it actually you really can't do do a lot of advanced trading on it but it's very it's very simplified simplified and beginner friendly and i do have a link to um another exchange called bitget that i'm really having a good time with and i'm gonna wait to you know i'm gonna wait to really push it but you can take advantage of it now by clicking on the link in the description. And I've got something going on there that seemed pretty good for me. I'll give you a report maybe in a week or two. But moving on, we got to talk about, you know, student loans. And now... now the browser's taking a sweet time a reporter expertly busts Biden White House over a phony student debt plan authority excuse now what authority does the White House student debt None whatsoever. Just, you know, a publicity stunt, really. If I really cared what, you know, the voters think, he wouldn't go through with this. I've been saying on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, canceling all of the student debt that some students have is only going to benefit us less than 37% of the country. Only 37% of the country have a bachelor's degree or higher. And most student debt is held by students who have a great... A graduate degree. So really, if if student if student loans are canceled or completely canceled, that's going to shift the burden onto the majority of Americans who are working class or have some small business or professional, you know, services, and make them pay money to, you know, hotshots who have advanced degrees and probably a lot more income. A better idea would be to either cancel just the interest on the loans because the Bible is actually very much against interest on loans. Or an even better idea would be to um, make the colleges refund the tuition money. So we'll see if this, you know, stunt goes anywhere. But this article already proves that Biden doesn't have any real, real authority to um, make the move. I don't think I highlighted anything, so I'm just going to read the whole article. Red State reported Wednesday on what steps the White House took to determine that President Biden purportedly had the power to unilaterally implement 
the student loan forgiveness plan that he announced that week. For those who missed it, an August 23rd memo written by Department of Education General Counsel Lisa Brown stated that Education Secretary Miguel Cardona has legal authority to force taxpayers to pay for the student loan debts of others thanks to the 2003 HEROES Act, which is the reversal of a January 2021 DOE Department of Education memo which stated that they didn't have such authority. The HEROES Act, first enacted in the wake of the September 11th attacks, provides the Secretary broad authority to grant relief from student loan requirements during specific periods, such as war, other military operation, or national emergency, such as the COVID-19 pandemic, and for specific purposes, including, including to address the financial harms of such a war, other military operation, or emergency. The memo read, this dubious justification caught the attention of Fox News White House correspondent Jackie Heinrich, who asked the press secretary, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, during the Thursday press briefing, how they would cite the COVID pandemic for the rationale, considering that just a few months ago, the Biden administration essentially argued in court that the pandemic was over when they were trying to justify following the Title 42 Trump era. Oh my God, this, this sentence is horrible. It's just one long run on sentence. Allowing Title 42, a Trump era policy designed to limit the spread of COVID-19 from illegal immigrants who came from countries with high rates of communicable diseases, communicable diseases to expire in Maine. I'm just gonna let you. Um, I'm just gonna let you uh, read this paragraph yourself, because that was just too much. That was. You can write this kind of crap, but you can't say it. That whole paragraph is just one sentence. It's crazy. All right. As she did with other questions related to Biden's plan. During the Thursday briefing, and Pierre bumbled through another non-answer, mumbling something about how there would still be some folks who were having a hard time paying off their student loans. When Heinrich interjected because of the economy, which would be an interesting excuse considering the Biden administration's continued false painting of the U.S. economy as sunny and rosy, Jean Pierre then proclaimed that it was because they were in a different income bracket. So basically, what Jean Pierre inartfully confirmed in her statement during the Thursday briefing was that Biden's decision to do a dictatorial end run around Congress was based not so much on the coronavirus pandemic, but because there were people who Biden believed would still need help in this supposedly amazing economy because they are not in the right income bracket or something. Even though members of Biden's own party and some of his apologists in the press would have said what he's put in place will most likely benefit people who don't need the help at the expense of the middle class. Many who have doubts of their own, they're trying to pay off that's of their own. They're trying to pay off, and we're also already struggling to make ends meet thanks to staggering by inflation and shrinkflation. Oh my God, that's another you know run-on sentence, but um, you get it, don't you? But the White House is trying to eat their cake, have their cake needed too. In other words, Karine Jean Pierre confirmed that the White House's excuse for having the authority quote-unquote, to wipe out a certain amount of student loan debt to the tune of an estimated $500 billion in taxpayer dollars doesn't pass the smell test, which is yet another reason for Republicans to consider impeachment proceedings against Joe Biden in the event they take control of Congress after the midterm elections. So, I mean, a president just can't do what he wants. And there's a separation of powers. 
Congress makes the laws, the president, you know, enforces them, and the, and the judiciary, you know, decides, you know, term, not decides, but determines whether a law is ethical and constitutional or not. More economical crap. I promise we're going to get into the good news here, but part of the good news is that we're um, exposed, you know, revealing bad news. Congressional budget budget office says yes, Americans making under forty thousand dollars per year will get audited by the IRS. This is from the Daily Caller. I'm just going to read the the uh, main points here. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean Pierre made an inaccurate statement when she told reporters, no, very clear no, in response to a question about whether anyone making under $40,000, $400,000, would face new audits. The Congressional Budget Office estimates that $4 billion in revenue over the next 10 years can be traced in part to new auditing efforts funded by the Inflation Reduction Act, targeting taxpayers that report less than $400,000. Some taxpayers reporting income of less than $400,000 on their tax return will be found to have more income than they reported, the CBO said. So, in essence, the CBO is saying, yeah, the IRS is going after the middle class and the small business owners. Now, $400,000, that's not necessarily, you know, middle class, you know, that's, that's six figures. But it's also revenue for maybe a small business or a professional office. Someone who makes that much probably also has employees to pay. I just want to mention that here. But there is um, a big development going on in San Francisco. San Francisco, of all places. Another article from the Daily Caller. And I want, I'm really excited about this. San Francisco shops threaten tax boycott if the city doesn't address crime. A group of San Francisco businesses in the Castro District are threatening to boycott the city's alleged inability to address the spike in crime by refusing to pay their taxes, according to reports. The Castro Merchants Association sent a letter to San Francisco city officials warning that, should the city fail to address the increase in burglaries, vandalism, homeless encampments in front of shops and residences, the individuals with, and individuals with mental illnesses, then they won't pay taxes, KTVU reported. Co-president of the Castro Merchants Association and owner of Flore Dispensary and Cafe Flore, Terrence Allen, said several shops have been vandalized while homeless individuals have made it difficult for local businesses to run properly, according to the report. Business owners stop paying taxes and stop paying the fees for licenses because the city is not providing the services that they're supposed to be guaranteed based on what we're paying the city, uh, Carriker said, who is Carriker. Dave Kirker, co-president of the cash co-president of the Castro Merchants Association. So, the tax revolt has begun. This this is just a, this is this might be just the beginning. Now, I'm not saying you know break the law, but then again, there's some debate whether the IRS is legal. There is some debate whether the IRS was the 16th Amendment was passed according to the Constitution. So. I'm not saying don't pay your taxes. I'm saying 
normalize talking about it. And then, you know, see if there's any support for that. I'm not saying don't pay your taxes. I'm just saying feel free to talk about it and discuss it. And don't let the um, the, the bullies, you know, intimidate you into just speaking your mind. Now, here's something that's, you know, very catastrophic. This is from Investment Watch. And the fact that we're learning about this now pretty much proves that the so-called conspiracy theorists were right. The study found the lockdowns were deadly. In fact, the COVID-19 lockdowns were 20 times more deadly than COVID itself. The lockdowns were a mass human experiment. The International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health published a study that found the lockdowns were deadly. In fact, the lockdowns are 20 times more deadly than COVID. So, okay, that's just repeating the headline. There was no evidence that indicated this method would be effective. We saw the impact that the lockdowns had on the global economy, but their effects on the human mind are now coming to light. So a quote from the report says, the comparative analysis of different countries showed that the assumption of lockdowns effectiveness cannot be supported by evidence, neither regarding the present COVID-19 pandemic, nor regarding the 1918 through the 1920 Spanish flu, and other less severe pandemics of the past. The price of lockdowns in terms of public health is high. By using the known connection between health and wealth, we estimate the lockdowns may claim 20 times more life years than they save. It suggested, therefore, that the that a thorough cost-benefit analysis should be performed before imposing any lockdown of either COVID-19 or any future pandemic. One of the most deadly aspects, however, was the way healthcare facilities managed COVID patients. The lockdown policies had a direct side effect of increasing mortality. Hospitals in Europe and the USA were prepared to manage pretty small groups of highly contagious patients, while unprepared for a much more probable challenge, large-scale contagion. <clears throat> As a result, public health care facilities and nursing homes often became vehicles for contamination themselves, to a large extent because of the lockdown-based emergency policy implementation. So, don't ever let the corporate media again, ever again tell you that you're crazy. If you have concerns about the economy, about the heavy hand of the state, of corporations, of the banks, speak up. You may be right, you may be wrong, but nothing will, won't get done if you just keep quiet. Normalize speaking your mind. And please buy one of my shirts or mugs that say it's okay to stand up for yourself because it is okay to stand up for yourself. Now, I don't want to go over this article. The Rockefeller Foundation wants behavioral scientists to come up with more convincing COVID vaccine narratives. Well, I think most of the world's population has taken one or two doses of the vaccine, but only the most neurotic, obedient sheep have taken the boosters. So that's at least a good thing. I got bullied into taking the, the first two shots by my family, but I'm done with that. And that's an issue I have to... That's an issue I have to deal with or not deal with my family about, but 
I don't know. I'm just kind of in a bad mood over that. But the Rockefeller, you know, we there's probably a whole there's the Rockefeller is a is a rabbit hole all by itself. And there's you know there there's talk that you know they're tied into they're tied into the Rock the Rothschilds and the deep state and the bank and the central banks and all that and uh, and all the uh, discussion that oh the Rockefeller family you know they they kicked off the pharmaceutical industry and public education things like that that's the topic for another video altogether but i just want to mention that they're trying to push you know they're trying to uh, rekindle the um covidvax propaganda and the fact that people aren't going along with it is a very good sign that is good news other good news is the Centers for Disease Control is backtracking on COVID, COVID guidance. This is from theburningplatform.com. And browser is acting a little slow because I've got so many tabs open. But at least I'm not struggling because of Streamlabs. StreamYards is a much better platform for this. So definitely get on that. CDC backtracks on COVID guidance is damning studies mount. And am I going to read this whole article? Because it's pretty lengthy. Do I have anything highlighted? It doesn't show up yet. Oh, well, I have enough water to get through this through all these stories. Okay, here we go. Yeah, we're just gonna read the we're just gonna read the bullet points. <clears throat> On August 11, 2022, the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reversed its COVID-19 guidelines, thereby vindicating every so-called so misinformation spread out there. It's personal responsibility and for everyone to decide for themselves which prevention behaviors to use and when, at all times or at specific times, based on their own risk for severe illness and that of members of their household, risk for their risk tolerance, and setting specific factors. The CDC is also giving up on discrimination-based COVID jab status stating its COVID-19 prevention recommendations no longer differentiate based on a person's vaccination status because breakthrough infections occur. They also admit natural immunity exists and works. Testing is now reserved for those who are, symptom who are symptomatic or have a known or suspected exposure to someone with COVID-19. Isolation is only for those who are symptomatic and have tested positive. And contact tracing is now restricted to healthcare settings and select high-risk congregate settings. The CDC's about face appears to be politically motivated to give the Biden administration a win before the midterm elections. Post-election plans include the biggest vaccination campaign in history, so tyrannical overreaches may later resume, even as mounting data show the COVID shots are causing depopulation. Don't get the boosters. For the love of God, don't. There was, um, I watched, I watched a podcast by Dex 22 Report and the host, Dave, he interviewed Dr. Zelenko. Rest in peace, Dr. Zelenko. But Zelenko said there is hope for those who have had just the first and second shots because there's, they're working on treatments that'll reverse the effects. So, so if you so if, if you have any back, if you have any jab regrets, you're worried about your you know your DNA or your ability to have children to reproduce, just hang on. Take some vitamin D, 
some vitamin C and vitamin B and zinc and to, to you know to, to maintain your immune system and you'll get through this. Those of you who've had the boosters, uh, you're 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 in worse shape. So uh, I don't know what to tell you guys. Speaking of the the vaccine or the jab, Moderna sues Pfizer and BioNTech for patent infringement over co- over the COVID jab. This is from August 26th. So seems to me there's a big crack up in the uh, in big pharma. You know, they faced losses before and they've made huge settlements, but we're gonna see if um. This actually might be a you know a good thing to watch because it'll see it'll tell us what these um companies' war chests are. Can kind of give us a, a, uh, an indication because they're going to need as much money as they can over the um, class action lawsuits over over the drugs. So this is something to keep an eye on just to get a sense of what's what's happening within. Moderna is suing Pfizer and its German partner, BioNTech, for patent infringement in the development of the first COVID-19 vaccine approved in the United States, alleging the copy technology that Moderna developed years before the pandemic. Just a decade old, Moderna, based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, had been an innovator in the messenger RNA, or mRNA, vaccine technology that enabled the unprecedented speed in developing the COVID-19 vaccine. Early in the pandemic, Moderna said it would not enforce its COVID-19 patents to help others develop their own vaccines, particularly for low- and middle-income countries. But in March 2022, Moderna said it expected companies such as Pfizer and BioNTech to respect its intellectual property rights. Property rights. It said it would not seek damages for any activity before March 8, 2022. So, And just to kind of wrap up this article, Moderna has also been sued for patent infringement in the United States and has an ongoing dispute with the U.S. National Institutes of Health over rights to mRNA technology. So isn't that Fauci's department? I do know that Fauci has a lot of um, residuals and, um, what's the word? He's getting a lot of, you know, kickbacks from from drug companies for his department's work. And we got to talk about monkeypox, if briefly. World Health Organization says the monkeypox cases have dropped 21% globally, reversing a month-long increase. So to that, I'd just say abstinence works every time it's tried. Before we move on, I just want to remind everyone, you know, get your, you know, move your money to uphold. I want to push, I want to pitch my services again, pitch my uh, affiliates. Get on to uphold.com, invest in Bitcoin, gold and silver, and do yourself a favor. Also, let's see if I have any chats. Something 
Okay, moving on. We're over halfway through. I hope you're, I hope you're getting, you know, some good, you know, value out of all this information. I kind of like when I when I when I when I gather these articles and these stories, I kind of want to create a flow with them. Just kind of like rearrange the um arrange the tabs in such a way that there is a natural kind of narrative to it. Now, more big tech and all tech, you know, action here. Andrew Tate joins Rumble after big tech deplatforming. We'll post exclusive content. So, okay, I never heard of Andrew Tate before he was, he made the news last week. So I'm wondering, what's the big deal with him? All I knew was if big tech banned him, then he must be on to something. Same way I decided to determine that Trump was the right person for the White House because the media was so animated against him. But this article from reclaimthenet.org goes, kickboxer and self-help coach Andrew Tate has joined free speech video sharing platform Rumble after he was recently massively platformed by all the major big tech platforms. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok are some of the many platforms that banned Tate earlier this month after an online cancel campaign. Tate responded to the massive platforming by joining Rumble. His channel already has over 65,000 subscribers and his most popular video on the platform has racked up over 240,000 views. So his channel is called Tate Speech. I might, I might subscribe after I'm done with this. During a recent appearance on Tucker Carlson Today, Tate discussed big tech deplatforming him and praised Rumble for allowing him to post his content without censorship. He says, lose, you lose your Facebook, then your Instagram, then your Gmail, then your Discord, then your website hosting, then your domain name, then your payment processor, then your bank. Tate continued by stating that Big Tech banned him over a joke and told Tucker he, that he moved to Rumble because senior management promised he'd be allowed to make jokes. So... This, the previous paragraph, I think, is very important because we already see we already saw bank cancellation in Canada back in February and March over the um the the Canadian trucker protests. That's why it's so important to move your money to gold and silver and Bitcoin. Uh, there are other cryptocurrencies, you know. I only trust Bitcoin, Ethereum, and a few others. A lot, a lot, a lot of other cryptocurrencies are either scams or pump it up schemes, but Bitcoin has proven itself. So dollar cost average and not necessarily, you know, financial advice. I'm just saying don't trust the banks. I think that's all I have on that article, but here's another, you know, big development. It seems like it's just, you know, simple entertainment, but I'll tell you why this is such a big deal. Lo-fi girl joins Rumble after YouTube's poor handling of abusive copyright strikes. This is also from reclaimthenet.org. You've seen this picture before. You've seen this animation. Lo-fi hip-hop music brand Lo-fi Girl has joined video sharing platform Rumble one month after its YouTube live streams were suddenly taken offline by bogus copyright claims. Lo-fi Girl is live streaming on Rumble and has also added all the videos that are available on its YouTube channel. Lo-Fi Girl Rumble channel already has thousands of views. Lo-Fi Girl grew a huge following 
of more than 1.3 million subscribers on YouTube by live streaming lo-fi hip-hop videos that feature an animated girl wearing headphones. But over the last few years, YouTube has erroneously taken the channel and its live streams offline multiple times. YouTube, so what, what Lo-Fi Girl does and what a lot of other channels also do is they just, you know, they curate, you know, music by other by other artists and they pretty much live stream it or broadcast it on, on YouTube. It's, it's, it's like internet radio. So there's also um, um, Tone by Ridge. I like that one a lot. Uh, there's Lo-Fi Vibes. Some of these, you know, I just... Some of these I actually listen to while I'm sleeping. It's white noise that helps me that helps me fall asleep. So, like how some people just have the the office used to have the office playing on Netflix when they went to bed. YouTube sub subsequently confirmed that the takedown request takedown requests on Lo-Fi Girl streams were abusive and reinstated the videos. However, Lo-Fi Girl blasted YouTube's handling of the situation and the way it provides no protection or manual review of false claims. So. Yeah, I think it's okay to post other people's content as long as you uh, give credit to the creators. So that's that's a very important thing, important thing to do. So, and the reason this is such a big deal is people aren't going to go to alt tech like Rumble or Odyssey just for political political you know content, even though that's a very important thing. In order for these alternative platforms to really take on big tech, they have to have all additional content. They have to have entertainment. They have to have gaming. They have to have like history and culture and pop culture commentary. They have to have all sorts of things to, you know, to compete with big tech. So this is a very, very big development. And let's talk about entertainment because we can't talk just about politics. Netflix cancels Resident Evil series after first season. This is from NintendoLife.com. I heard nothing but crap about the Netflix Resident Evil show because I'd seen clips and the acting was just atrocious and none of it really followed the established lore of the games. None of it really respected the source material. No one's probably watching it. You know, we've seen since 2015 or 2016 Hollywood and entertainment and the gaming industry just go full tilt communist, leftist. And just putting out the most terrible, terribly produced, terribly awful, awfully terrible, you know, entertainment. It's not even entertainment. And they hide this poor quality crap behind, you know, identity politics. So we're going to talk about Rings of Power in the next article, but... It looks like a lot of these... um. Studios in Hollywood, you know, Hollywood studios like Netflix, like Warner Brothers, like Paramount, they're starting to come around and bring, come back to entertainment, quality entertainment, and serving the audience because the audience is who pays their bills. And it's also Wall Street who um, invests in them, but... Can't have one without the other. Now, this is from NicheGamer.com. we got to talk about so-called Lords of the Rings, Rings of Power. There has been such a huge, you know, spike against, you know, 
against all the trailers on YouTube for this violation of Tolkien and his estate. The new rumor, the events, so a new rumor surfaced claiming Amazon's upcoming Lord of the Rings, Rings of the Power show will make or break the corporation's streaming future. The new rumor by a business insider comes from anonymous sources with connections to Amazon Prime, noting that the $1 billion with a B series will determine the future of Amazon Prime in its entirety. Should the new series flop, Amazon will reportedly be reevaluating the purpose of Amazon Studios. The reason why it's going to succeed is because the executives at Amazon needed to succeed, the source said. If it doesn't succeed, there's going to be a big question from Andy Jassy and the board. If we can't make take this piece of IP and make it successful, why is Amazon Studios even here? It has to succeed. There's no option. And if you go on YouTube and watch any of the trailers, the Tolkien fans are just demolishing it. The uh, acting is cheap. Is cheesy the dialogue is bland and campy as all hell the um it totally distorts you know it doesn't respect the source material at all i mean it totally you know goes against what tolkien suggested or wrote down in his you know appendices or even in the silmarillion the show takes place during the second age and just makes stuff up the fans are not having it and that's a good sign this, this, this is also another, you know, turning point in the war to save pop culture, as Dimcock might say. Another turning point in pop culture, in video game news, this is from ClownfishTV.com, and Clownfish TV has a great YouTube channel. I recommend you follow them. Japanese gamers abandoned the PlayStation 5. Xbox and Nintendo sales benefit from the backlash, so... Sony... And the PlayStation have dominated console sales since you know the mid '90s. You know they they took on they took on Sega, they took on Nintendo, and I will hate them forever because they they upended my precious Nintendo, my precious Mario and Zelda. So to see them flattering so bad in Japan over the PS5 is I'm just kicking back thinking I've waited 25 years for this. The PlayStation brand isn't what it once was in the land of the rising sun. In fact, compared to previous PlayStation consoles, the PlayStation 5 looks like a dud. Granted, it might be difficult for someone to actually secure a PlayStation 5 in Japan, but many players will simply step over the console and move on to Switch, Xbox, or PC. And it looks like many Japanese players are doing just that. Yeah, with Japan making up such a small percentage of Sony's player base, the company is seemingly pivoting to a more Western audience. Last year, Sony shut down its Japanese studio in what many saw as another sign that Sony isn't interested in Japanese gamers. AAA games are being developed with more Western sensibilities, that is, censored and featuring progressive ideology, and Japanese players seem to be rejecting the PlayStation brand altogether, whether or not they can find a PS5. And the PS5 has such a huge problem with scalpers. I don't, you know, I'm not sure... PlayStation actually make. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, Sony actually makes profits on the PlayStation hardware. Like in the past, they in past consoles, they've actually sold them for a loss and made money through selling games. If, if all these scalpers are scooping up the consoles with their, you know, automated bots, 
and charging, you know, outrageous prices for them at markup, no one's gonna, no actual gamers are gonna are gonna buy the, the PlayStation Five, and no one's gonna buy games for it. So this Sony's actually up a crick on this. So this this user Twitter user from Japan says, "What's going on in Japan's PlayStation brand is a joke." Here that many Japanese people like myself are happy with Nintendo, PC, and PS4. Their attack on Japanese developers and censorship is also another issue, but this generation, Sony prices are ridiculous and lack of strong Japanese titles. Yeah, Raging Old Nego has been raking Sony over the coals over censorship. You know, there you know, there's some anime games that are like, you know, that are sexy, that have like, you know, lewd content on them. And there's, there's a market for that. And Sony has just been saying, no, you're not going to publish that, that stuff on the PlayStation. So those develop, those Japanese developers have had to move either to Nintendo, the Switch, or to PC. Did I highlight anything else in this article? I do want to move on to another article from Forbes. Because Sony has hiked the price of the PS5. Xbox and Nintendo respond to Sony's unprecedented PS5 inflation price hike. This never happens with console, with game consoles. You know, they get released in the first year at a certain price point, and they always go down in price as, you know, more are made, they become more they, more, they become more common, and the, the technology improves and becomes more efficient and, and affordable. Prices always go, consoles always go down in price, the fact that it's going up is a sign of trouble. Yesterday, and that would have been August 25th, Sony announced they would be implementing a price hike for the PS5 in a whole lot of regions outside of the U.S., citing inflation and other economic markers. Global inflation is affecting not just Sony and PlayStation, but everyone. So naturally, other companies are following suit, right? Not exactly. The only hardware that we've seen push up its price for vaguely similar reasons is Meta and its Quest headsets. But Nintendo has previously said it has no plans to raise Switch prices. And now, when asked for its response to Sony's move by Windows Central, Microsoft was pretty unequivocal about what was happening with the Xbox. Quote, We are constantly reevaluating our business to offer our fans great gaming options. Our Xbox Series S suggested retail price remains at $299. And that's also uh, 250 pounds and 300 euros. The Xbox Series X is $499, and that would be uh, 450 pounds and 500 euros. Sony, though a big company, is still dwarfed by Microsoft, with a $100 billion market cap versus $2 trillion, with one company able to eat some losses on one hardware offering for a time if it needs to, while Sony is hit harder by economic factors like this. So yeah, Microsoft can sell their consoles at a loss, but Sony might not be able to. And Nintendo, I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure most of their consoles have always been profitable. Like, they're very, you know, carefully designed and made to, um, but also efficiently made and economically built so that Nintendo always makes some money when they sell their, their, their hardware, so... Update. Nintendo has also issued fresh comment on how they're not raising prices due to inflation or other issues. So, this tweet by uh, Nabel 
Nintendo confirms there are no plans to raise the price of the Nintendo Switch. As our president, Mr. Furukawa, Furukawa stated at the 82nd annual general meeting in June, while we cannot comment on rising on pricing strategies, we currently do not have part of this crap. I'm going to read this. I'm going to open up another tab here. We do not have plans to change the price of our hardware due to inflation or increased procurement. We will determine our future pricing strategies through a careful and sending deliberations. This is this is cropped. Here we go. As our president, Mr. Furukawa, stated at the 82nd annual general meeting of shareholders in June, while we cannot comment on pricing strategies, we currently do not have any plans to change the price of our hardware due to inflation or increased procurement costs in each country. We will determine our future pricing strategies through careful and continued, continued deliberations. While the final price to consumers is always determined by retailers, as Mr. Furukawa stated, Nintendo has no plans to increase the trade price of its hardware. So, yeah. So it's not going to change its price to um, wholesalers. Retailers can mark and set whatever price they want. But Nintendo's not going to raise the price themselves. I'm just going to get rid of this tab here. Now, we're, we're at the home stretch here. So once again, if you find this content valuable, and if you're watching it on the replay, please share it. Like and subscribe on whatever platform you're watching it on and make use of my resources. You can click on my link, natehouseman.net, go to the shop page, or you can also go to the resources page. Now I've got links to um, both Uphold and some other cool stuff to take advantage of. And let's see, do I have any chats? That's fine. I'm still a small channel. I'm growing. But I'm growing. I promise you good news, and here it is. The courts in the United States are really sticking it to the deep state. You've all heard of Matt Gates and his supposed, you know, perversions. Well, that's been utterly debunked now. It's it's over. It's done. He's he's clean. Florida man. It's five years over attempt to extort $25 million from the father of Representative Matt Gates. And as the Gateway reported, as the Gateway Pundit reported in March 2021, this is from the GatewayPundit.com, this article here, the New York Times published a hit piece targeting popular Trump supporter Representative Matt Gates. The New York Times said the Florida congressman was under investigation for dating a 17-year-old girl. The Gateway Pundit later spoke with a source close to Matt Gates and told us this New York Times report was completely false. Gates is not the target of investigation. We were also told none of the women he was seeing were underage. It's not a surprise the left went after Gates since he's, since he's such an effective communicator and a staunch Trump supporter. Representative Gates told Axios, the allegations we were hearing were as searing as they are false. So... This is, from, this is a quote from an earlier report. But what was happening was extortion of him and his family involving a former Department of Justice official. On March 16th, 
my father, Representative Gates' father, got a text message demanding a meeting where a person demanded $25 million in exchange for making horrible sex trafficking allegations of me go away. Our family was so troubled by that we went to the local FBI, and the FBI and Department of Justice were so concerned about this that they asked my dad to wear a wire, which he did with the former Justice Department official. Today, I'm demanding that the Department of Justice and the FBI release the audio recordings that were made under their supervision and not the direction which will prove my innocence. These allegations aren't true and were meant to bleed my family. This former Department of Justice official tomorrow was supposed to be contacted by my father so that specific instructions would be given regarding the wiring of $4.5 million as down payment on this extortion. I don't think it's a coincidence that tonight, somehow, the New York Times is leaking this information, smearing me and ruining the investigation. So there's the clip of Matt Gates going over all that. Matt Gates was right. In August 2021, federal prosecutors accused Stephen Alford of trying to defraud U.S. Representative Matt Gates's father, Don Gates, out of $25 million. Stephen Alford, age 62, pleaded guilty in an attempt to extort $25 million from Matt Gates's father. According to the Washington Examiner, the announcement by the Justice Department marked a turnaround as Alford initially entered a not guilty plea. A charge of tampering with evidence was tossed, according to a Northeast Northwest Florida Daily News. On Monday, U.S. District Judge Casey Rogers sentenced Stephen Alford to 63 months plus three years supervised release after he pleaded guilty last year to one count of wire fraud, according to federal court documents. Matt Gates was right, and the New York Times owes him an apology. So, this is this is another case, this is another instance where the FBI is under scrutiny, and they have to cover their ass. So, they have to release that. That evidence proving that Matt Gates was in, is innocent. So, good news. More good news from the courts. Federal court strikes down Texas ban on young adults carrying guns in public. This is from the Epic Times by way of Zero Hedge. A federal judge has struck down a Texas law preventing individuals aged 18 to 20 years from carrying handguns in public. In the first major court ruling on Second Amendment rights, since the Supreme Court recognized the constitutional right to carry firearms in public for self-defense. <clears throat> Running low on water. Well, I have enough to get through. Home stretch. Previously, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth District upheld state law, but that was before the Supreme Court issued its landmark ruling. The Supreme Court voted 6-3 on June 23rd in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, to strike down New York State's tough concealed carry gun permitting system on constitutional grounds. At the same time, the court found that laws preventing law-abiding individuals from carrying firearms in public for self-defense cannot be upheld unless they are consistent with the nation's historical firearm regulation traditions. So, I'm surprised that such a law ever exists in Texas, but it's done. Amer the American people have the right to self-defense. Now, whether other states will honor honor the ruling by the Supreme Court, that remains to be seen. But you know, it's it's gonna be up to the citizens to you know to stand up for themselves. We're seeing that with the uh, San Francisco business owners. We're gonna see that with a lot more cases coming forward, you know, go, moving moving on. 
on the topic of the COVID vaccine man, the COVID vaccine again, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals upholds injunction against Biden's COVID vaccine mandate for federal contractors. This is from Gateway Pundit again. The 11th Circuit Court of Appeals on Friday upheld an injunction against resident Biden's COVID vaccine mandate for federal contractors. A three-judge panel voted two to one to uphold the injunction. Uh, a Jimmy Carter-appointed judge dissented. A federal judge last December blocked Joe Biden's vaccine requirement for federal contractors nationwide. Judge Stan Baker in the U.S. Court of the Southern District of Georgia, a Trump appointee, issued a preliminary injunction against Biden's vaccine, vaccine mandate. <clears throat> the lawsuit argued Biden's vaccine mandate is unconstitutional because only Congress is allowed to make laws and rules. The highest, so Georgia, Alabama, Idaho, Kansas, Utah, and West Virginia attorneys general also joined the lawsuit. The highest court in the land in a 6-3 ruling blocked Biden's vaccine mandate on private businesses with 100 plus employees. So the vaccine mandate is done. We are making progress here. We are rolling back deep state tyranny. They're all, it, it only looks like, you know, things are bad because the bad guys are getting more desperate. But keep the pressure on. More good news. I'll scroll up again because I was highlighting stuff. Oh, yes, we're back on the topic of big tech and Facebook again. Here is why Zuckerberg admitted what he did on, on Joe Rogan. Missouri Attorney General Schmidt, his lawsuit, forces Zuckerberg to admit the FBI told Facebook to censor the Biden laptop during the 2020 election. Can we pen it again? This is a massive win for free speech against big tech censorship. The Gateway Pundit previously reported in May that Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, along with Louisiana, Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry, filed a lawsuit, Missouri versus Biden, against the Biden administration, including Biden himself, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the Department of Homeland Security, and nearly a dozen federal agencies and secretaries. The suit alleges a massive coordinated effort by the deep state to work with big tech to censor and manipulate Americans, from average citizens to news outlets, on issues including the Hunter Biden laptop from hell, 2020 election integrity, COVID-19 origin and extent skepticism, COVID-19 vaccine vac skepticism, among other issues. And the article posted via lawsuit, and you'll have to go, I won't read it all, but um, you can go to the Gateway Pundit and look at it. In June, the Gateway Pundit began assisting attorney Missouri AG Schmidt's team and providing critical evidence of Facebook and Twitter censorship of the Gateway Pundit on all these issues. The case reached a crucial turning point in July when Schmidt and his team won a huge victory. They persuaded the federal judge to grant them limited discovery and investigatory powers before the court would decide the, government's def the government defendant's collective motion to dismiss the case. This allowed Schmidt to compel the government and Facebook and Twitter and a few other social media platforms to turn over documents and communications exchanged between the government and the social media platforms in which censorship was discussed. Since then, Schmidt's team has been engaged in a slugfest with the government and big tech to turn over demanded documents. Neither the government nor big tech want to disclose the damning evidence against them, and they fought like hell to stop the disclosure. 
And this article mentions Joe Rogan again. Joe Rogan interviewed Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg. During the interview, Zuckerberg casually admitted that Facebook algorithmically censored the Hunter Biden laptop story for seven days following, following a request from the FBI to censor election misinformation. Zuckerberg's admission is a turning point in the battle for the preservation of the First Amendment and free speech in America. It's a political and legal earthquake. Now, the government's collusion with big tech to censor Americans is decisively not a conspiracy theory, but conspiracy fact. And we now know this because billionaire boy God Zuckerberg admitted it himself. But why would Zuckerberg admit this? Because he's being forced to turn over documents in the Missouri versus Biden lawsuit and the efforts of the Missouri and Louisiana attorney, attorneys general. He and his PR team are trying to get ahead of the news cycle on this, but he has failed. Yep. There is so much that's going to come to light. And you may or may not see it on Facebook and Instagram or YouTube. So please get on Rumble, get on Odyssey, get on Truth Social. Here's another big court development. Going back to the FBI and Mar-a-Lago case. A federal judge sides with Trump, announces preliminary intent for a special master. So you probably heard about this. A federal judge decided with rifle president Donald Trump and announced her preliminary intent to appoint a special master to review the documents seized by the FBI from Mar-a-Lago earlier this month. A special master would review documents and materials to determine which are protected by attorney-client privilege and executive privilege, barring the Department of Justice from using them. The decision by Judge Eileen uh, M. Cannon, a Trump appointee, appointee, comes less than one week after Trump's, after Trump's legal team filed a motion seeking an independent review of the seized documents. Trump's motion filed Monday, and that would have been this week, okay, argued the FBI raid was a political hit job against him by resident Joe Biden's Department of Justice. Judge Cannon's decision also comes one day after Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinert, who approved the search warrant, released a heavily, heavily redacted version of the underlying affidavit used to justify the FBI's raid on Mar-a-Lago. The federal government found, supposedly found probable cause to believe Trump improperly stored classified documents at Mar-a-Lago based on the contents of 15 boxes that Trump voluntarily, voluntarily provided to the federal government. Judge Cannon ordered the DOJ attorneys to file a response two days before a September 1st hearing and provide, under seal, a more detailed receipt for property specifying all property seized pursuant to the search warrant executed on August 8th, 2022. So, there is so much we're going to find out. Because the FBI is not after evidence against Trump. They're after, ev they're after evidence against Biden and the Democrats and the deep state. More good news from the courts. This is from the state courts in California. Who would have thought? Three California courts in a week rule in favor of we the people against Gavin Newsom's COVID lockdowns. This is from August 23rd on the Gateway Pundit. <clears throat> the state government's COVID lockdowns have been struck down by a third California court in a week, all of which sided with we the people and the United States Constitution against Newsom's unconstitutional COVID-19 lockdowns. Constitutional attorney and U.S. Senate candidate Mark uh, Muser, Republican, said the California courts are deciding that the government 
may have overstepped its authority when they followed Gavin Newsom's shutdown orders. <coughs> Excuse me. California courts are ruling that the government may have overstepped its authority when they followed Gavin Newsom's shutdown orders, he clarified. First, a court ruled that courts can't sanction a church for refusing to shut down since it was later determined that Newsom overstepped his constitutional authority in shutting down churches. Second, a court ruled that since Newsom picked which businesses were allowed to remain open in order to flatten the curve, the government may be liable for damages those businesses suffered as a result of following the governor's order. Third, a court ruled the businesses are allowed to sue the government for targeting them because they were vocal in opposing Newsom's shutdown orders. Government must enforce the laws equally. They cannot target those who exercise the First Amendment rights, he, con he concluded. So, boom. Who would have thought judges in California would side with the people? We're winning, guys. Another big court decision. Now, this one's huge. Federal judge rules Biden's oil and gas order violated the law, issues permanent injunction in states that sued. This is from the westernjournal.com. This is from over a week ago, August 19th. A federal judge on Thursday issued a permanent injunction that will allow new oil and gas leases on federal lands. The ruling by Judge Terry Doughty of the Western District of Louisiana came one day after the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals had kicked back Doughty an injunction he issued last year to accomplish the same, same goal, according to The Hill. Doughty's Thursday ruling permanently blocks a January 2021 executive order from resident Joe Biden that halted the lease sales on federal lands. The order applies to Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Texas, Utah, and West Virginia, which sued Biden. Doty, who was appointed by rightful President Donald Trump, ruled that Biden's January 2021 order violated the Mineral Leasing Act and Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act by leaving Congress out of the loop. So once again, a pre, you know, an executive who is supposedly elected by the people doing an end run around Congress who has the who alone has the authority to make laws. So this is why we have the separation of powers. We don't want some psychopath gobbling up authority and power for himself. Another big development, this isn't a court case, but this is um, some action by the state of Texas. Texas bans BlackRock and other financial firms over ESG energy crisis. Now, you might have heard some people talk about ESG and what, what a scam it is and what really what an what a evil, evil development it is. Texas banned BlackRock and nine other finance firms from working with the Lone Star State after declaring they were hostile. hostile. Glenn Hagar, the state comptroller, on Wednesday published a list of the financial companies that will be prohibited from entering into most contracts with state and local governments. The Environmental, Social, and Corporate Governance, also known as ESG movement, has produced an opaque and perverse system in which some financial companies no longer make decisions in the best interest of their shareholders or their clients, but instead use their financial clout to push a social and political agenda 
shrouded in secrecy, Hagar said in a statement. Many financial firms have allegedly been shunning fossil fuel producers or launching ESG funds that do so. ESG is short for environmental, social, and governance. The rise of ESG-oriented investing has been blamed for energy shortages that sent the price of oil and gasoline soaring earlier this year. And it's done a lot more than that. It's also partly behind, you know, woke entertainment in Hollywood. Uh, it's, it's responsible for, you know, corporate tyranny and other in retail, in all sorts of corporations. ESG, by way of the financial system, is imposing its will on all sorts of, you know, corporations and their employees and their customers. So the more people bang the drum about this, the better. We're almost done, but this is, this is a lot of good news. I'm, I'm, real, I'm, I'm super stoked. You know, all along I've been saying that things only look bad because the bad guys, the forces of tyranny are getting are getting desperate, and it's all coming to fruition. Just keep the pressure on. This is news from last Tuesday. Leftists crushed in school boards across California. This is from Breitbart. The last article is from Breitbart too. But Florida flipped multiple major school boards from liberal to conservative. Tuesday evening, continuing the nationwide trend of parents taking back control of public schools. While primary elections occurred in Florida, New York, and Oklahoma Tuesday, Florida has general elections for school boards, meaning the winners will be the, the official members of the boards. Many of the winning candidates have been endorsed by the 1717 Pro Project PAC, an organization that has been instrumental in flipping school boards from leftist to conservative across the country. This is a long article. With a surge of concerned parents due to the revelations about critical race theory, gender ideology, and equity proliferating K-12 schools, school boards across the country are flipping to conservative control. School board races used to be defined by their low vote, voter turnout and uncontested races. Since 2021, education has become a winning issue for conservatives and parents looking to keep their children safe from leftist indoctrination and unsolicited medical treatment. There are two big, you know, two big root, root causes for this. One, the um, the lockdowns forced parents and students to um, do their work from home and to um, do remote learning. Parents were actually able to see what the teachers were spouting out to their, to their kids. Two, the lockdowns also revealed just how important, you know, local and state governments are compared to the federal government. We spend so much time and energy watching Washington and the president and Congress, but the lockdowns really showed us that governors are just as important as the president. And so are mayors. And so are city councils. And so are school boards. So at, get involved locally because that's where the rubber hits the road. So this really is the Great Awakening. You know, it seemed terrible that, you know, Biden could schlup his way and squat in the White House in, in a, an office he didn't deserve. But think how many red pills have been served since January 2021. We're swimming in them. We're frolicking in them. There is so much information and, and corruption being revealed that, and right now we are in the, you know, the education and 
revelation stage. And now we're starting, you know, once we get a full picture of how the corruption works, then we'll be able to uh, combat it. And we're starting, we're starting to do that right now. One more article before we go. Let me just check chats here. None on Rumble. None on Odyssey. None on YouTube. That's fine. One more article just to um have a laugh. This is really quick. Greta Thunberg cult has gone bust, according to Sky News. This is from Zero Hedge. Greta Thunberg's guilt trip climate shame tour appears to have hit the wall as green pipe dreams with zero practical solutions meet the realities of, well, reality. Or as Sky News Australia's Andrew Bolt puts it, a mere child full of rage, addressed, obsessed with doom, totally devoid of any practical solutions, but here she was lecturing the world on how to fuel their 21st century economies. Over the past year, Thunberg's movement, described by Bolt as a cult, has fizzled out. Thunberg is now a victim of her own success in scaring people into doing very, very stupid things that we're now paying for. So, I don't know if I want to play the video, but um, when she first made the scene, when I first heard of her, she was so adamant in her opinions. Like, you just knew this was someone you can't reason with. This is someone you want to share facts and information with, but they won't hear it. You ever you ever meet one of those people? You um you just can't have an honest relationship with them. She's one of them. I'm not sure it's her fault because I've heard that she has Asperger's syndrome. And when she was like a little kid, maybe her, maybe the adults in her life, like her parents, just filled her with doom and gloom propaganda. And she got stuck in her ways with that. So it might not be really be any fault of her own. But she is legally an adult now. Like I think she's like 18 or 19. So I think she needs I think she needs some therapy more than anything else. She needs she needs she needs someone who cares, you know, deeply cares for her, you know, mental health and well-being. So but people are people are done with her. You know, people are done with her doom and gloom. People know the climate scare, the climate agenda is a hoax, is a scam. And people are, you know, are getting more and more comfortable saying that. That's really that's really the theme of, of tonight. We are getting more comfortable speaking the truth and just calling out the abuse in our lives. Not just, you know, in government, but also in the workplace, in our families. I've said for a couple years now, corruption, government corruption, business corruption, it's really narcissistic abuse writ large. And But we're getting a handle on it. So I'm going to let you go. I really appreciate, you know, if you're watching this, I really appreciate it. I hope you get some value out of it. I hope you get some optimism out of it. Things, the economy's crappy right now because of inflation, but we are finding ways to get out of it. Americans are problem solvers, nothing else. So talk to your friends, talk to like-minded individuals, and be open about it. You're going to find that a lot of people are like-minded. They just have been intimidated before. So I will let you go. I'm Ann Houseman. Please take advantage of my merch shop, my digital marketing business, and the Uphold link. And 
Seeing how well I do with um, BitGet services, I'll start pitching them within the next few weeks. But I do have a referral link to BitGet in the description if you want to take advantage. Now, they've got this really cool um, copy trading page where if you they'll you can um, let someone make you know, trading decisions for you if you want to like trade Bitcoin or Ethereum or other cryptocurrencies, buy and sell, and make some passive income. Before I really promote that, I want to see how it works for myself. So stay, t- stay tuned for that. So I'm in Houseman, letting you go, and I want to let you know it's okay to stand up for yourself. Have a good one.